Welcome to another podcast from the Royal College of Psychiatrists. My name is Raj Pasord and I'm a consultant psychiatrist based at the Bethlehem Royal and Maudsley Hospitals in South London. Joining me today is Dr. Mario Inkayawa, who is a professor and a doctor based in Ecuador. And he's published a fascinating paper in the May edition of the British Journal of Psychiatry entitled The Efficacy of Quechua Healers as Psychiatric Diagnosticians. So let me start by asking you, uh, Professor, could you tell us a bit about the background to the paper? Why did you write this paper? I love to think that uh, my motivation comes from some particular history of uh, the Quechua people, the Inca people. Uh, you know, the 500 years of colonization and then oppression and uh, currently the social exclusion that we we live here in the Andes. So um, this resulted in a widespread bias and prejudice against the indigenous people in South America. Um, well, the traditional healers here, because of this context, they are considered uh, charlatans, for example, or people who hold superstitious ideas about uh, reality and uh, medical practices of uh, ignorant people, or fringe doctors. They even consider, uh, until now, uh, traditional healers as a threat to public health. In my early years in medical school, my professors uh, often uh, talk about uh, these issues so this widespread bias and prejudice motivated me to, well, start thinking um, as a young adult if all this uh, was true. Um, for example, questions as uh, if, doc- if uh, traditional healers or traditional doctors uh, have some skills or not. It's true that they are so incapable. So these kind of questions that I always have in my mind, and trying to, to uncover, let's say, so, or vindicate some abilities of our people, uh, I mean traditional healers. So I always, from my infancy, I was surrounded by traditional healers. Uh, my mother used uh, many times uh, traditional medicines, and myself, in, when I was an infant, I visited, uh, because of minor illnesses, uh, a couple of times, traditional healers. So, in one side, I was exposed to this kind of ideas uh, of um, bias against the traditional healers. In the other hand, I also was exposed to Western biomedical ideas. So, um, traditional healers in my mind, started to appear as uh, not so incapable. With my early uh, uh, practices of medicine, because as a young doctor I was uh, working in remote uh, indigenous communities, I realized more and more that uh, traditional healers were accomplishing a very good and interesting work. Um, so I decided... Uh, because of that, those reasons to to conduct a, a study 
and try to explore the diagnostic abilities of traditional healers. Uh, many people worked, as you know, um, all over the world examining the, the abilities, especially the therapeutic abilities of uh, traditional healers. But very few are working on the diagnostic abilities of traditional healers. So I decided, why not to explore the side of uh, uh, traditional practices, and uh, especially studying uh, the Inca or Quechua traditional healers. You're absolutely right. One of the fascinating things about this paper is that your focus on diagnosis uh, as opposed to, to treatment efficacy, which is a traditional focus of uh, people studying uh, traditional medicine in comparison to Western medicine. Could I just ask you why it was you were focusing so much on uh, diagnosis? Um, I think maybe it's um, uh, resources and, uh, and also the scarcity of information on diagnosis and di diagnostic abilities. So resources first. Um, here we have very, very few uh, technical resources and also money funding for research. So for me, the more uh, feasible way to, to approach this problem was to, to think about diagnosis. I had um, a couple of friends, uh, traditional healer friends, in fact many, as you know, here in the Andes, we have thousands and thousands of traditional healers. So it was quite easy to work with them uh, because they are my group, my ethnic group. I speak Quechua as them. So it was quite easy to, to start planning uh, and conducting a study on diagnosis. And, the, the, and secondly, is um, because because of the scarcity of this kind of information in the general literature, uh, almost, I would say, 99% of the studies on traditional healers are focused on the therapeutics and not in diagnostics. Could you tell us a little bit about the Quechua people themselves, the, the, the setting in which you conducted this research? The Quechua people... Um, are located in many countries in South America, Colombia, parts in the southern parts of Colombia. There are many Quechuas there. In Ecuador, the majority of the, uh, the, 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 the rural areas in Ecuador are inhabited by the Quechua people. In Ecuador, we are around 5 million Quechua-speaking people. And in Peru, you have also Quechuas. In Bolivia, uh, parts of uh, Argentina and parts of Chile. So um, the Quechuas are really a very big uh, uh, nation, and, and uh, uh, but they are voiceless and um, uh, they they have a very sad history of uh, colonization that uh, goes for 500 uh, years now. Uh, almost 200 years ago, the Latin American countries, such as Ecuador, Bolivia, Peru, uh, gained independence from the Spanish crown. However, for the Quechuas, um, that meant nothing. 
because the, the oppression continued and even worsened, and the social exclusion today is, uh, is um, outraging. If you take um, indicators of social indicators or health indicators, you see a great disparity between the Quechua population and the general Latino or general Ecuadorian population. So we have many health problems, and uh, especially mental health problems. Um, so the Quechuas are uh, numerically a big and important group in South America. But politically, we are uh, an oppressed and a uh, minority group. Um, today, I think the Kichwas are quite active politically and trying to do some business. And uh, life is becoming more easier and interesting, I would say. We have some uh, very few professionals. Uh, it seems encouraging all of this, but uh, let me give you a, a figure about physicians. Twenty years ago, I graduated. I was the first Kichwa person graduating from a medical school in Ecuador. Uh, and now, 20 years later, we have only five physicians, Kichwa physicians in the country. So we have one physician for a, a million people. <laughs> You see the pace of change, of social change, let's say, in Ecuador, very slow and uh, discouraging. Uh, we don't have policies encouraging um, teacher people to enter medical school, or even when they enter medical school, they face many problems, economic, social, cultural. So... Um, the Western medical system and uh, the Ecuadorian government um, is not doing very much for the indigenous uh, people. So that's the reason why, uh, the, from the very beginning, I was talking about the alarming or outraging social exclusion of the Quechua people in these countries in South, in South America. Could you tell us a bit about the methodology of the study? How did you go about doing the study? Well, this study is a case series, and uh, I collected um, a convenient sample. It's not a study with a control group. Um, the, well, I work with uh, 10 traditional healers. They refer to me um, 50 uh, patients labeled by them as suffering from a very popular, let's say, Kichwa uh, illness called Jackie. This condition is well known and is widespread in the Andes. Well, these Jackie patients referred and identified from the community by traditional healers uh, arrived to my office. And I conducted a, a medical examination. I, I conducted a, a psychiatric evaluation, some laboratory tests, and even an, I administered a um, psychological scale, the Zoom depression scale. So um, we worked for 18 months doing this study. 
Um, and um, it was very interesting because uh, traditional healers, I think for the first time, were engaged and were actively working doing this uh, survey, the psychiatric or transcultural study. And um, the, the cooperation or collaboration was uh, great. And I think the results also are interesting because of this reason. Um, so we collected two kind, two sets of data. Uh, one was um, what healers uh, did, what healers um, uh, collected, and in the other side, uh, the other, the second set of data was what I did personally as a physician. So healers. Uh, named and labeled uh, the condition as Jackie, and they identified four subcategories of uh, Jackie. Well, I don't know if uh, I can go with Kichwa terms here, but uh, in any case, Mancharishka is a Kichwa term. That means uh, frightened or attacked by malignant spirits. They identified this subcategory. They also identify as a subcategory of Jackie is Shungu Nanai. Shungu Nanai is, uh, means literally uh, pain in the heart or the broken heart, let's say. And uh, they also identify uh, another subcategory called Rurashka. This is something that you find in the literature as uh, sorcery. So a healer or envious neighbors uh, do something and then the spirit will attack the, the, the victim and they will get sick. So as you see, you have this kind of, uh, this set of data. And um, all these 50 patients were suffering from one or two of these subcategories of Jackie. Now, the second set of data is the psychiatric, biomedically oriented uh, data. Um, and then in this set of data, you, I found um, that 82% um, of them made the DSM-3 revised um, version or criteria for depressive disorders. Uh, they fulfilled also the criteria, 44% of them, for somatoform disorders, and 40% of them for anxiety disorders. Comorbidity uh, were frequent. When you take a look at these two sets of data, you realize that uh, this, uh, the diagnostic work of these two practitioners have some uh, intriguing similarities. Both, when they are looking at the Kichwa patient, these 50 Kichwa patients, both are identifying uh, people as ill. Of course, the Kichwa healers, they are saying, well, they are, they are suffering from Jackie and different subtypes of Jackie. And when a Western-trained psychiatrist is evaluating the same patients, well, they are they found and they labeled them as people with mental disorders and having, well, subtypes of mental disorders, let's say, 
as depressive disorders, somatoform disorders, and anxiety disorders. So um, I think it takes just a little um, a little effort uh, to see that these two sets of data have a very nice parallel and uh, and overlap nicely, and uh, that's the reason why I propose to 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 say that traditional healers seems to be doing a very interesting job in terms of diagnosis. Um, when I was teaching in the U.S., I love to give this example of of, uh, of uh, medical students, medical students that are assigned uh, 50 patients, and they are in charge of giving a diagnosis. And then... Um, a group, a board of experienced psychiatrists there, later evaluating the work of these uh, medical students. Well, no matter what kind of uh, method they use, the students use for identifying uh, sick people, well, later, if doctors, uh, experienced psychiatrists, found that uh, these 50 patients are effectively suffering from mental disorders, you conclude that the medical students, well, they did a very nice job as diagnosticians. So I think you can do the same in evaluating the work of traditional healers. If they identify uh, people who truly were suffering from uh, psychiatric conditions, and even more, if none of them, if none of the 50 patients were in perfect health in biomedical terms, in psychiatric terms, well, it seems plausible to me and, uh, and with some confidence. I'm tempted to say that traditional healers seem to be doing a very good job as diagnosticians. Some people might argue, though, that one aspect that your study doesn't look at is the fact that it may well be that these traditional healers miss another group of patients who Western diagnosticians would consider suffering from some psychiatric disorder, but it gets missed by these healers. And, of course, they, 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 that group of people wouldn't have been picked up by this study. The study relied on picking up people who were identified as ill by the traditional healers. That's right. Uh, I think you you need to consider false uh, positives and false negatives in the work of traditional healers, as you consider the same in the work of psychiatrists. The intra-rader reliability of uh, psychiatric uh, diagnosis uh, is not uh, 100% accurate, as you know, and inter-rader reliability also is uh, it's not 100%. So in the same way, I think traditional healers could miss a, a case. Also, traditional healers, I believe, they could in, in include as a sick person, somebody who is in perfect health. So it looks like one of your conclusions is that these healers can do a good job of, of spotting mental illness. And in fact, you argue towards the end of your paper that they may do a better job at spotting mental illness than someone trained in Western medicine but unfamiliar 
with with a local culture. Um, but um, it wasn't clear to me whether you're also arguing that within the ability to spot mental illness, that there's an agreement amongst these traditional healers as to entities that we would recognize in Western psychiatry as, let's say, psychosis, and other things that we would recognize as neurosis. So using that very crude diagnostic classification, was that recognized, that distinction, by traditional healers? Um, I specifically hearing among the Quechua or Inca traditional healers, I don't think so. Um, as you know, they are working with uh, uh, ideas of uh, spirits, people who uh, are exposed to bad spirits, able to, to, to affect the health of, of humans. For example, here we have the, the belief that if a person in certain hours of the day is alone uh, and is close to a waterfall, well, this is a very big um, risk factor for physical and mental illnesses and, uh, and uh, negative life events and misfortunes. Um, so they are working with this kind of uh, ideas. But also, interestingly, they work with uh, life event ideas. For example, they clearly uh, consider that um, a person who is having problems with neighbors and fighting over land, here is a big issue, having uh, ownership over land. So one of the major stressors for Kichwa people is disputes over land. Uh, so if a person is... Uh, with this kind of uh, legal problems and uh, fighting for, for land and for years, well, Quechua people in general and specifically traditional healers will consider this is a clearly predisposing or risk factor for later uh, severe mental problems or psychological suffering. What are your thoughts about the uh, implications of your study and what future research is there that you're planning arising out of this study? Um, well, I think the, the very first uh, and most important implication, especially in, uh, here locally in, in the Andes, is to gain some kind of recognition for traditional healers because politically people here are very interested in in having some kind of financial uh, support for the work of traditional healers. As you know, traditionally, they are doing a very important uh, work, and they are thousands and thousands of healers, and they are in the margins of uh, the formal national healthcare system. So politically, people are interested in gaining recognition and then perhaps having a salary for, for that um, and gaining an income from this work and perhaps in this way doing a better job here caring for people. So one is, uh, this is a kind of uh, health policy implication, right? Uh, another one is about um, uh, medical practice or psychiatric practice. Uh, we are proposing here quite actively 
collaboration with with uh, general practitioners and psychiatrists. Uh, this doesn't mean integration as the World Health Organization proposed some decades ago or the Pan-American Health Organization proposed. It's not a matter of uh, giving some uh, basics or principles of psychiatry to traditional healers or the reverse too, to psychiatrists learning some basic techniques of traditional Quechua uh, medicine. But it's more a kind of uh, monade or, let's say, independent system that respectively are going to, to work together without this aim of integration and teaching or, yeah, uh, teaching to them. So we are very sensitive here over uh, becoming a kind of second-class doctors or um, a system for nurses, uh, this kind of project that uh, sometimes, uh, especially international agencies, try to do in, in the Andes. So this is the implication that we see of this study trying to facilitate uh, the practice of uh, and collaboration of traditional healers with uh, psychiatrists or general practitioners. And the other one, uh, more academically oriented, is the potential to work with uh, traditional healers as partners in psychiatric research. They are wonderful to, to introduce you to the community, first of all. And then they could work as uh, giving you referrals, and sending you patients, uh, which is very difficult here in the remote communities to have access to these people for doing some kind of research. And, um, and also uh, they could help you directly in brainstorming, in thinking about uh, ideas or theories. In your research, so I think they could become a wonderful partner in scientific research. It's, it's a matter of proposing and talking. I think traditional healers are quite open to this kind of collaboration. They are quite impressed of Western medicine and uh, psychiatrists. The problem is in the other side. Uh, general practitioners, especially here in Ecuador, or psychiatrists here in Ecuador, very suspicious about uh, traditional healers. I have the, the tendency to believe that this is the result of this, of this general setting of colonization and this history of oppression. They are used to see indigenous people as backward and primitive people. So why to work with them? Um, but I think we have a little experience here in Ecuador working with the general Latino, uh, the dominant Latino group, the physician coming from this group, and doing a very interesting job. Uh, unfortunately, the government never really paid uh, too much attention to this. Um, and money also. The country is, uh, is not rich, so they are not open, and they don't have resources for funding this kind of pilot uh, projects. For my research, for example, 
I, I never get any funding from from the government, local or regional or national. I rather found interest and, um, and funding from other countries. So traditional healers, uh, my message is, could be a good partner in clinical practice, in research, in conducting uh, surveys, uh, especially community-based uh, surveys and um, public health research. Dr. Mario Inkayawa, thank you very much indeed. Thank you.